This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Welcome back to the show, Josh. This is uh, number three for you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, this one, you know, is mostly... So how many... You spent a bunch of holidays, you know, sober, you know, your first time in sobriety, then this is your second, like, time in recovery. Is being in recovery, it has to be different because you were sober the first time in jail, and now you're sober with, like, freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first the first holiday that I had in this last, most recent sobriety was, you know, Five five days before that, I I tried to kill myself. So I was I was in already kind of a weird haze. Um, my fa- I don't have much family, so and family times even after I got out kind of shifted. They ch- changed from how I was as a kid. We used to have big family events for for Christmas. Um, so I was kind of on my own. I didn't really have any friends at the moment that I felt like I could call out to. So I spent my first sober Christmas at a uh, called the URS club here in Portland. It's a, uh, uh, AA and NA meeting hall and it's an old school one. It's got quite the, quite the history to it. And, uh, they had this really cool, just get together for people that might be struggling. They do like the marathon meetings and all that stuff. I, I don't remember if I did many of those, but I didn't really have anything else to do. So I drove in and hung out there and just watched people like with their families, you know, and just kind of let that sink in what that felt like to just be there um i helped pass out some presents you know i helped uh however i could ate a bunch of food um but you know the holidays have never really had a lot of like emotional weight for me so i know a lot of people have a hard time during this time but i guess i kind of mourned the loss of my holidays well before it could affect my sobriety um because your holidays were already being affected by other people's drug use and drinking, not just your own. So you're no, holiday- no, no. People, we we actually had a healthy. I mean, as far as like our family went, our holidays were. I mean, I say holidays. Really, it was just Christmas Eve. We we all got together when I was younger, and it was this huge event. But people just started passing away and getting older. And I was, you know, I was the last kid. So. As I got older, you know, the the kind of magic that revolves around holiday, you know, the Christmas time when it comes to kids, you know, it was really just me. All the other kids moved away or got older. And then as I got older and, of course, when I went to prison, that sort of like really dampened that started happening less and less. And when I got out, I think there was like one last time where we all got to together, but it was it was 
a quarter of what it was and it just felt different i mean we used to we used to hang out and and have a great time until like midnight um and then that changed uh so i was probably you know i was probably in my late 20s maybe 30 when that all changed my mom passed away that really just did it in we we stopped doing anything like that um so it happened in my drinking and there wasn't any like feeling of loss because it it's not like we spent Thanksgiving together and New Year's or any other events. So it's not like I could miss my my uncles, you know, because I never really hung out with them anyways. So yeah, um, when I got sober, it wasn't like it was something that was missing. I just um, never really I already kind of went through that. And I and you mentioned the alkathons. Like I love going to those type of meetings, like the marathon meetings, alkathons whatever you want to call them. But th- I think those are the first time I saw one of them was a 4th of July. I think, I think 4th of July was my first like holiday that I celebrated in recovery yeah. where, you know, cause the first time I was in recovery, you know, my first time sober in a holiday, it was yeah. April 25th, 2018. So yeah, that would have been the first real holiday Memorial day. I was in rehab. I was three, four days or I was like a month, you know what I mean? So we're still not even consider that yeah. really a holiday in comparison to what 4th of July really is, you know, for the drinking. Especially the 4th of July was a really, not a triggering day for me, but that time, it was always a time of transformation for me. Um, Over my years, I was always like moving around that time of year for some reason like i moved to new jersey around that time of year i moved to massachusetts around that time of year i moved to north carolina around that time of year to pennsylvania so that that time for me always signifies changes you know i lost a best friend i lost a fiance you know that that time so for me to get through that whole time period sober was a big deal for me. So by the time I gotcha. got the by the time I got to Christmas, I don't want to say it was a breeze, but in comparison to what I faced already, you know, sobriety is like a muscle where you can get stronger and stronger the more you work it out. The more you attain tools and you know you actually take suggestions and you gather these tools and you get stronger throughout it. So when shit keeps happening it's easier to get through because you've already earned these tools with other things that have happened earlier in sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. I can get that. Yeah. I, um, I, 4th of July was a big one as far as like partying went. So having a sober 4th of July was kind of important. I think that one was more important to me than having a, an event happen for Christmas. Like, this Thanksgiving, I'm going to be hanging out with some people. But last Thanksgiving, I made, my work gives me a ham. And I cooked the ham and ate it basically by myself and hung out, watched movies, and had a time in my life. Like, it, I'm such an introvert that that's, like, right up my alley. Um, but this year, I plan, you know, we're, we're having some – I'm going to be hanging out with some friends. Um, Christmas time, I usually try to uh, donate my time in some way since I don't have family. When I was working retail, I used to just work the holidays for my my staff so that they could have like that time off. Um, but as far as like any real significant connection to my life, I guess 
I guess like uh, I don't know. They didn't really they didn't really have they didn't really have much for me. In in jail in prison, you know, Christmas was a really weird time. You know, any way that you looked at it, um, there was no way to make it any better than it really was. As, as much as we tried, um, and so I mean, for the most part, I always tried to like. I, because I was always in a relationship, it usually became whatever their family did. And that's where the like the weight of it came from. Um, you were never in the relationship of, no, we have to go to my family this year. We did your family thing last year. And yeah, that, that whole fight that happens, you know, or argument, whatever you want to call it, between couples every holiday of, no, we're doing this one first. No, we're doing Christmas Eve at this one. We did Christmas Eve with yours last year. And. Yeah, there was never yeah. any that. There, there was never really any any major dramas. Well, I mean, my grandpa drank pretty heavy when I was younger, so there was a couple times where he did some, you know, some goofy shit. Um, like one one year he tried moving a motor their motor home, and because he wasn't paying attention, like forgot to set the e brake, and so it went it went careening down their little uh, backyard area, and he broke his arm. That was pretty significant. And- a memorable thing but no real dramas i mean i had i i do miss the times when i was younger and we had those big christmas events but um it's it's interesting that i don't have that connection when i see so many people struggle during the holidays yeah and Uh, it's it's definitely you know then then the numbers are always going to be skewed right whenever the numbers talk about in general you know, oh, it's 30, 33% higher. You're more likely to relapse during from Thanksgiving to New Year's. But yeah. really, that's like, that number is even bullshit because that number is based on what they know of with people going into rehabs. You know, that's nobody's calling in. You know you know what it is. When you relapse, you, you weren't yeah. calling anybody saying I relapsed. You know, right. Their numbers are all based on estimates taken from people that are checking into rehab and then being. Or their estimates based on people taking surveys after the fact. And how often do we lie to to that? Yeah, exactly. People lie. Yeah, I'm still sober. Whatever. Hang up. And as you're getting high. So, you know, that's that's what it is. And so, like, that number is a very skewed number. I, I mean, I know it's a significant amount just based on anecdotally being in meetings and hearing people say that they're struggling for the holidays and that they've had like the holidays are the hardest time also i mean addiction aside you know the the christmas new year's time frame you know suicide skyrocket domestic violence skyrockets just a, a lot of mental health you know spikes occur during that time and i think that's where a lot of that kind of statistical feeling of it being a hard time for people comes from and a lot of that i mean really is just based on the pressure the societal pressure that it's supposed to be these big things when it doesn't i mean it doesn't have to be right like i i don't have any problem not having family and just sort of like treating it like any other day but you know well i know you're saying it's it's panic attack based on the calendar ending you know, panic attacks are what when you're impending doom, right? So people are seeing the impending doom of the calendar ending at the end of the year, and then they start doing that retrospective. What did I do this year? What, and, the then, and then, and then, and then the problem or, is yeah. more when they start saying, 
what did I not do this year? And when the when somebody is sitting there in December, they're not looking at the celebrating what they did this year and looking at victories. It's always what didn't I do? What can I harm myself with my thinking of all the things that I missed out on this year? And you go on this rabbit hole of I didn't do this and I could have and then I blame myself for not doing that and I could have and then I didn't, you know, and it's just I see it all the time and it's definitely the depression is through the roof. I mean, like you said, in the rooms you hear about it this time of year, everyone, yeah. it's always, you know, well, I mean, a lot of it's seasonal, uh, less, you know, being out less, um, getting outdoors less, the sunlight being less. You know, just all that. There's already seasonal depression on top of people not wanting to deal with their own families. Or, I mean, that's that's where I hear a lot of the pain and suffering from is is family stuff. Um, not wanting to deal with their their drug families, not wanting to deal with their abusive families. Um, I I grew up, you know, with a pretty fucked up family, but I I, I also grew up with the sense that you know, at some point it's okay to cut family out. And I know that's just not a common, as common as I, I think it should be uh, kind of a thing. If people are being abusive, I don't care if they're family, they, they got to go. Um, but around this time, you know, people feel that pressure to be, to show up and put on a face. And, and, and it's not just like, it's not folks that are at some kind of a bottom, you know, people that are suffering from, from the things that cause relapse or, or depression or, you know, suicidal thoughts, even um, it, it can affect anybody. You know, it just whatever like economical status they might be or or religious status, like it, it all seems to affect everybody pretty equally. And then on top of that, we have people like us that suffer from, you know, an addiction or or something like that. And you throw that in the mix and it makes everything a little bit more harder to deal with. Now, you said you spend a lot of the time with your with your girlfriends, families, usually you're in relationships, your your current um, she's sober too, right? Your current girlfriend. Um, I'm single now. Uh, oh, okay. Things, yeah, things didn't work out with that. Um, so I will be. That's why I'm kind of keeping myself a little busy, hanging out with some friends on Thanksgiving, and then Christmas I'll probably do some marathon meetings just to be a presence. Because I know there's like, like between like two and four, like there's a lull where there's just not many people there. I did. I did last year. I did um, New Year's Eve marathon. Uh, no, the year before. Yeah, the year before I did the New Year's Eve marathons, um, I was there for like 10 hours just making sure there was a meeting. And there was there's always that time period where it's just like nobody's doing a meeting. And so, you know, I try to just show up for that kind of stuff. So that's probably what I'm going to do for the for Christmas uh, and New Year's is just kind of be a presence in some of the rooms. Yep. And some of the rooms and if not some of the rooms, even on my show, because I might be doing that live on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So that sounds I... pretty cool, man. I think that's a great idea. You know, so if I am doing that live, like I, it's I'm pre-planning, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I have time to figure it out, luckily, and work out all the kinks and see exactly what I want to do and how I want to do it. So, but I am going to be looking for people to just like hop on with me and schedule in advance, like time frames of people hopping on, just chatting yeah. and shit like that. So I, I, because I think it's important because you're not alone in being alone. Like just right. because you take away the drink and the drug doesn't mean that, you know, it's a it's a different kind of being alone, in my opinion. The the loneliness of being alone in sobriety as opposed to I I like being alone. Yeah, you know? me too. <laughs> so 
you know, and if it wasn't for my wife and I having the type of relationship that we have, it wouldn't work because I would be around her too much, you know, and she knows this is no surprise to her. You know, I know she likes to listen is that like, you know, I, I tell her all the time, the reason I can be with her all the time is because I can be completely who I am alone as I am with her. You know, right. and and that's something I never knew I was looking for. It was just something that had happened upon, like it, you know, I was sitting there and I was thinking, like, why am I so comfortable with her when I'm usually way more comfortable being independent and alone? And you know, and I'm sitting there having these thoughts with her, and then I real, I'm like, you know, like laying around watching like cartoons as I'm having these thoughts, you know, and like in my boxers, and I'm like. Oh, it's because she accepts me for me being disgusting when I'm disgusting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that you're talking about that. I was just now, like, I was. I'm cleaning up my space so I can start doing some painting and stuff. And I and I made my bed. I don't usually make my bed. And I started thinking, you know, how how many other things do I do I do only in a relationship? Like, what what other stuff am I doing? And why why am I doing that only in a relationship? Because inevitably what happens is over time you start, you know, I start regressing to not doing those things. The more comfortable I get with somebody and then that's when it kind of, you know, that can become an issue like me not making the bed kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's that's kind of the reason why I'm I'm single right now is my time was her time, not like out of any pressure, just that's the kind of person I end up being. And if so, if the other person's not not returning that or reciprocating that, if it's one sided, I go. I go to where I'm the one working and the other person's not or vice versa. And in that case, that's exactly it. I, I wasn't, uh, I was comfortable with her. Maybe not on the same level that you're talking about where that sounds fantastic, but um, you know, definitely found myself making, making compromises to, uh, to appease the relationship and, and make things work a little better. And I'm just not willing to do that anymore. That's old behavior that I'm just not, it, it, not it capable doesn't... of. It doesn't serve you anymore, that behavior. That's, no. Uh, I think the best way to, like, almost put that is, you know, that kind of behavior. That's the way I've always put it for myself is whenever I'm finding myself doing old behaviors. But, you know, it's always interesting for me to find myself doing shit in sobriety that I was doing in addiction. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. where I'm like, oh, so that has nothing to do with drugs. That's just you know, a people thing. I just got to figure the fuck out so I can be a person and learn how to live my life without drugs or alcohol still. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, that problem's not going away. That had nothing to do with my using or my drinking. That's just a life problem. That's just what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm uh, currently... Um... This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. If you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to, and, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. 
So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. I, I, I got on TikTok, right? So um, the first thing it does, like it tries to figure out what you like and what you don't like, like what your interests are. So you, it just inundates you with all kinds of random shit. You see what you like, you know, the algorithm. Yeah, I've been seeing well, it pop up in mine. Well, out of nowhere, it starts spitting all this ADHD shit. And I haven't really considered that I might have ADHD. It's just, you know, I just have a lot of stuff that I struggle with. And, and I figured I could work my way through it all through my life, really. And, uh, well, it, anyways, it started just hitting me with all this stuff. So I took a couple online tests. I figured at least if there's, you know, if there's a significant, like, lean towards that, then I can talk to my doctor about it and maybe maybe quiet some of the shit down, right? That's still persisting after I've been sober for three years and uh, took, took three different tests. Basically I got all but one on I, like basically it's like fucking unanimous. Like, yes, you have ADHD probably should have fucking worked on this 25 years ago at, at least. And, and like some of the stuff I was seeing was like, you know, people, people that don't have it don't have like a constant yammering in their head. Like all day for me, there's like myself talking to myself, just narrating fucking everything that I do. And then there's layers of pictures on top of that of different things that aren't necessarily related music going on at the same time. Like it's a fucking circus up there all the time. And I, you know, I'm watching videos of people saying that like, Oh, me and ADHD finding out that people don't have that going on in their head. I was like, this isn't normal. <laughs> this is, people don't just suffer from like just this fucking constant noise in their head. And talking to friends who've who've taken the med you know different medications and like the experiences they've had and you know it's yeah I mean it's all based on stuff that persisted after after being in recovery. Yep. And finding and out how much of that like may have been negatively impacting my life, you know that sucks knowing that I've just been struggling with something unfucking necessarily. But at the same time, like I'm at a place where I'm comfortable enough to like really this isn't the first time i've thought maybe i have adhd but this is the first time i've really thought maybe i should talk to my doctor and see what options there are maybe there's something i can do if i can't will my way through this which is fucking clear um you know maybe there is there my friend has had a great experience with his his medic medication he's he's still creative he's still productive like he's just like i can just like have some peace in my brain that fucking sounds so foreign to me I know, and and the TikTok. It's funny you say the community has a great mental health community on there. As in, like, if you want to like see a bunch of relatable videos to whatever mental health, start searching it, and you'll find it in your algorithm real fast. You know, yeah. like how, how you stumbled upon it. Their algorithm is pretty tight. Like when I say tight, I don't, I'm not saying cool. I mean like it's tight. Like it's pretty efficient. And and so like. I have tried to cater my algorithm to only show me mental health and recovery, right? You know, by yeah, like I'm, if, if I'm I see something, best. if I see something I really don't like, you know, some some kind of TikTok that I just I don't I don't want to see in my feed because that's not why I go on TikTok like political shit. I just block the account. Like that's what I've been doing. I go to the account and I block it. This way, it tells TikTok, "Wow, he really didn't like that. That he felt that he <laughs> needed to block it right away." So that's just what I've been fucking doing is just blocking accounts if they're posting yeah. shit that I don't feel like seeing in my feed just to tell TikTok, knock it the fuck off. And it's been working. And it's crazy the the way the algorithm, it 
it's been working because yeah, I get 70% easy recovery type, you know, TikToks where it's someone like myself or you where we're posting some kind of video that has to do with recovery. And then the other yeah. ones I'm seeing are like domestic violence stories because they're related. Somebody is posting a lot about addiction, but also a lot about oh, domestic, sure. you know, so I've been seeing that and that really, you know, it, it's, they're emotional wants to see, man. You know, you see some some girls on there telling their story, and it's like, holy shit. Because um, I'm, I'm going to watch them. They grab my attention right away from the beginning always, so I end up just watching. And I'm just like a mess of a person. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my yeah. God, this poor woman. And then somehow, I don't fucking get this part of it, though. This one really threw me off. But I've been randomly seeing TikToks for um, this positive community we'll call it uh the herpes positive community yeah where, you know and it's all like posts about like it's not that bad you know seven out of ten of us have it you know all the statistics and all that shit yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just so funny that like that's the avenue tiktok took me besides like here's your 70 percent recovery here's 20 percent dv and here's 10 percent herpes positive it's like, are you yeah. trying to tell me something? Do I need to I, get and, tested? And I and I, uh, I I've been getting uh narcissistic recovery stuff because you oh, know yeah. I, I have those interests. I don't know what they base it on. I know that they throw in randomly controversial shit that they know you don't like because you'll react to it more often than not. Like you're you're blocking it, but most people don't. Most people end up having some kind of a visceral reaction and, and they're trying to get they're trying to get that dopamine surge and that emotional response and you know what kind of interaction do you, do you think is going to surround that shit you hate and shit you hate enough to comment on and then shit you hate enough to comment on the person who just responded to you on. So I I've been like doing the same thing, like trying to curate it, but I see what they're doing when they're posting when, you know, why am I getting three Republican bullshit fucking anti-vaxxer Patriots yeah, who are yeah. like obsessing about murdering me because I have a different <laughs> political view. Why am I getting these people? Oh, I get it. Um, but having, having really started looking at my potential ADHD. Um, yeah, I might, I might be taking a break from TikTok cause I can tell that it's made for, it's made for my brain. Like, yeah. you know, two yeah. hours will go by and I'm like, why am I fucking still doing this? this and is it ridiculous. is two hours. It is two hours. It's go the same by shit, and, you know, and yep. it's the same information and it's just, and, and I did the same thing with Twitter and, it's good. It's really good for post. That's where I post the promos. You know, you see them. That's yeah. It's good for me to post promos there. And for a while, that's all I was doing. I was posting and going. I would post, and then leave and not even look at anything. And then yeah. I I got caught up. You know, I think I started looking at it more. I was taking my wife for steroids every day, and that was like a two hour wait while I'm just sitting in the car. And yeah. that's how that I would pass. Fun. That's yeah. how I would pass two hours. Like you said, yeah, the next thing sense. you know, two hours pass by. Um, but then I started seeing, I started when I was reacting, then my followers started going up and then obviously like, um, yeah, I know you're like, kind of like, an, like me, like you're like a nerd when it comes to the analytics and like the algorithms, aren't you? Like you I follow just, that shit. I don't know if I look at analytics too much, but I just, I guess I just understand systems. Like I get like cause and effect. I get, like I said, I get why randomly I'll get something I've made very clear. I don't like. Like I understand yeah. their their interest in that based on like the whole how TikTok works, how social media works, how 
how they're based, you know, they want to, they want to make money. They want people to keep fucking scrolling. So the best way to do that is to make it as addictive as possible. So they can get those ads in front of you. The algorithm gives no shits about you actually liking a thing. And it all has to do with like what ad it can feed you. The whole interaction is based on that. And yeah. There's good people on there. There's some cool communities, but it is definitely um, not designed to make us feel good. It's designed to make us feed their ad revenue. Like it's all it is. As um, as social media, period. Though I mean, yeah, but this is like a hyper digging right straight into the best parts of the dopamine trigger from social media. Facebook, you have the opportunity of interaction with interacting a little differently. If you look at any of the reactions you have on there, you, you can comment and have like a thread, and people communicate because there's like an open open range of ways of communicating you can drop gifts you can put videos you can put links that are hyperlinks you can actually put a, a paragraph for a wall of text or whatever you know instagram you, people don't have those interactions and comments on instagram twitter you can have long twitter feeds but there's like a certain type of people that you end up seeing and again towards you're restricted with still how much you can say you know 270 characters you're still restricted with how much yeah, kind of there's 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 twit longer so you can make like a full fucking memoir if you want and put it on there and then it's just a link that takes you to the longer post there's ways that people have utilized that that small of a space tiktok doesn't really uh, uh, allow for that you can't really hold those i mean people still try but their interaction is based on that video which is it's it's i don't know man it's something different but you know i understand the system there. I don't know how the analytics work. I would never be able to write an algorithm that makes sense of all that shit, but I get what they're after. I get what they're like trying to pull out and people like me, you know, and probably many alcoholics, many addicts, people that have that need for a dopamine drip. They're going to respond to that. I mean, yeah, but that's, and, yeah, that's what happens. That's, that's why the recovery community is probably so big on TikTok is because they, everyone is in addiction, not in addiction, they're in recovery and yeah. they're getting that fill constantly being on the app. They throw they throw the right kind of video out there and they see their like likes increase. You know, it's happened to me. I throw a video on there that's still getting a bunch of likes and I'm like, I get it. I should probably not be on this app. But I, I also want to like build a kind of a community that will will hopefully be interested in my podcast and be interested in in like what I am saying about being, you know, about my experiences in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. So that that's like the underlying interest, but you know there is that I see why people get so sucked into it, and it, somehow I I am just amazed at how people can have drama fucking in any space, like any space. I don't understand how there could be so much recovery drama on an app where you just talk like I don't get it. It's so bizarre. Somehow there's I, I don't know what the fuck the raptors and sharks are. It sounds like it sounds like some some fucking, you know, some sort of a musical like I'm going to sober gang off. You know what I mean? Like, I don't fucking get any of that, but it's all over the place. Outlaw recovery. And it's like, I ah, OK, I get it. You, know, you probably get tattoos and beat each other. in. I don't know what the fuck all that really is. It's, I, the fact that there's a bunch of drama around it is amazing to me. It's like, this is why I don't go to NA, like, honestly, because that kind of shit was happening in NA all the time, you know? And then to see it also on TikTok and to make it into that space, like, ah, oh, fuck, another, another place completely overrun with drama. This is, this just sucks. <laughs> I think I mean, just, 
I think they're trying. <laughs> I think they're trying to make merch. I think they're trying to make brand, a brand and trying to make brand awareness and then try to sell merch. No, it it, it, no? it is kind of that. No, the outlaws are that's basically bikers, man. We have versions of that here. There's solutions, re- resolute. Oh, there's I've like seen, a bunch of them. Yeah, I've seen bikers that are, you know, angels in recovery, you know, like that yeah, kind yeah. of shit. Yeah. And my buddy was in one of those, and I was like, so what? What is it? That, what's different between this and an actual biker gang? Like we just don't drink. It's just, it's just, it's just not not being able to fully remove yourself from the old life. That that's really all it is. Like people that were in some sort of fucking weird gang now need to make something they can represent you know outlaws for life or whatever the fuck they need to tell themselves like to express their identity and i get where it's all coming from but you know yeah i had hope they start to realize that there's just consistently drama all of the time with these groups there's never not one of these if there's a group like that if someone's saying like you know raptor whatever the fucking name is 100 percent guaranteed it's the same drama that they experienced in active addiction the same drama just without drugs the one guy I had on, um, Kelly, he was in biker gangs and to the point yeah. where he was still in addiction and he said his gang had pretty much changed over to sober, but he still wasn't sober. But the president had made the decision that everybody was going to be sober. They were going to be saving people and shit. Um, so his job, you know, for the gang was he was going back and forth from L.A. to San Diego to pick up people that needed to be in rehab and taking them to rehab. Um, but he was high the entire time he was doing it. And he finally, had, you know, admitted to the president of the, you know, gang, which is an old friend of his. They started the gang together back in the day. And um, he admitted to him. He goes, yeah, I knew the whole entire time. I'm not fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to your point, they're still doing the same old behaviors, just they're yeah. sober because yeah. the president of said gang was talking to him from jail because he's awaiting trial for fucking um, plotting to assassinate somebody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so. I, I, I know a couple of MCs and, you know, one of the guys I did time with. Yeah, when we when we got out, we we worked on some of the activist same activism together, and he's doing he's done a lot for the community. You know, the the shit that they've done is amazing. And at the same time, though, like they're getting tattoos with their their fucking biker logo on it, like like it's you know, it's like I mean, sure, man, if you feel like you still need to be in a biker gang because that's your identity, I fucking get it. But I, how does that match with NA? Like how how does how does beating people up and fucking, how, you know, I've been to their fucking halls, man. It's the same shit, same exact shit, except everybody's sober and probably more angry for it. You know, it, it doesn't seem like they're actually like they're sta- like, good. They're staying sober. They're doing some stuff for the community. But at the same time, it just 100 percent feels like they're one foot in, one foot out. They're just like half, they're, half, half and half in it. They're being abstinent with the fellowship. Yeah, but they're still doing you know that yeah societally abusive behaviors that has landed some of them sober in prison you know because of the loyalty and all that shit and i've never been a, a one for the gangs like i've got friends that have throughout my whole life people i've known my best friend is a fucking ex-gang member maybe he still is i don't even know anymore and i i mean i get 
why people get into that stuff and then get involved. You know, the family stuff, like we were talking about before. You don't have family. You do that. That's your family. I get and that's all that. a family you pick and not family that you were given. So yeah. it means more because you picked that family and that whole. That's what they when tell comes, you. And that's all. And that's all, all that. shit. Yeah, that's all shit that they tell you so that you won't leave and that you won't. Yeah. You know, fuck them over and everything. All like my that. my little crew of people before I went to prison that we called it. We called our you know each other family. And it came with all this fucking set of rules. And if you if you strayed from that, then everybody else was now against you. And and you know, so you had to like you were free to do whatever you want, but you had to do it within the constraints of this of this this fucking gang or whatever that you you've signed up for. You know, and it and it's just it's just ridiculous. Like I already have enough set of rules, man. I, I have enough I have enough stuff in my life, you know, computer wise, phone wise, work fucking society all that shit already be kind of kind of pressure to to then join a smaller version of that that's more fucking constraining just is baffling to me yeah i mean i know a lot of it comes down to just not wanting to make your own decisions having other people do that for you but you know that doesn't always mesh well that's why there's always drama in those little clubs you know every time no matter what well and (laughs) and that's the other thing is too is they all want to be the big swinging dick you know what I mean? Yeah. They they all want, you know, because I worked my ass off to get everyone's worked really hard to get to where they got. So now all of a sudden everyone's ego is starting to inflate again. Meanwhile, your ego is inflating, but you're not drinking or using. So you're now you're just a sober, egotistical dickhead. Yeah, that feels <laughs> like feels it necessary to constantly prove yourself to everybody around you. You know, my I love my friend to death, but he's caught, he's one of these tough guys that just beats people up. You know, he used to when he was younger. And I was like, do, does you know, do you, do your friends, do people you meet, if you were to go to the supermarket right now and talk to somebody you've never met, do what kind of work do you have to do mentally to let them know that you could beat them up? Like that's how his projection is. Like he's like big tough guy. I'm like, doesn't that get fucking exhausting, man, to like always live in that? And he was in those gangs too, and those biker things, and that's what it was just a big fucking pissing contest all day, every day. No, you can't ever let your fucking guard down. You always have to like let him know. And I'm like, I've never had to let anybody know. Like, I just am. You know what I mean? I yeah. I don't like run around trying to remind people I can beat someone up. I have no idea if I can. I could give a shit. But my life, my quality of life, doesn't seem to be any different than his. If anything, I might be a little bit happier because I don't have to go into every situation assuming that I might have to beat somebody's ass, you know? And you don't have to go into situations already already resigned to the fact that you are going to try to beat somebody's ass. Yeah, that's at any point something could pop off. I got to be ready. I got to be ready. Like dude, that's that's exhausting. And that culture seems to just breed that kind of little gang culture things, the little clubs, groups, whatever they fucking call themselves. I'll, I'll breeze that same kind of like that loyalty sort of found proof, sh- showing proof, like all the time showing proof, having and go- proof. And it goes further from even gangs. It's any people that do shit together. You, you fucking, you know, you mentioned family. There's a million memes with Fast and the Furious and Vin yeah. Diesel, you know, yeah. like. He talk about preaching family and preaching all the same things a gang would preach that you hear about, but yeah. yet they don't call themselves a gang. They just steal shit together. Yeah, right. But they are but a it, gang. But it, yeah. I mean, it, it, it all. I guess overall, it all comes with this sense of like you know that they're proving something, but they're also like 
you know, our our little club's better than your club. Our little gang's better than your gang. And you can see it when people even click up in AA or NA. Like, my version of recovery is better than your version because, you know, we don't use mats, you know, and, and fuck anybody who does. Or we don't smoke weed, so my little gang's better. And, like, just belonging to that sense of, that's, I mean, I, I'm sure that's where those named groups on Facebook or TikTok come from, is that sense of, like, well, I'm in this fucking one and we're better than that one. It's yeah, all, this like is said, my, ego. This is it's my all click. just this yep. looking down on ego shit. And and you know that's yeah it's it's constant drama and weirdness and and, there, you know, that's and my least favorite out, part yeah. yeah there's a lot of people out there too that are on TikTok they're saying like oh if you're on Suboxone and don't try to tell me you're clean it's like yeah fuck yeah, yeah off it's like I'm not yeah. I don't even I'm use not telling Suboxone. you shit I'm just clean like what you the know, fuck yeah like I, I'm not on I never used Suboxone in my recovery and I know you didn't either but I I know we both you know have the same feeling is. If you're on Suboxone and that's keeping you away from heroin or keeping you away from pills, fucking awesome. That's yeah. way better than what you could be doing. Yeah, it's just, you know, the clean edge people that are like no mind altering substances while they drink their fucking coffee and smoke their cigarettes. I get it, man. I, I, again, yeah. that's that same like ego. <laughs> I, I and they'll and they'll click up and they'll find their little groups and they'll you know, I feel it is just being an atheist too, like like, oh you're your version of sobriety is compromised because you know you didn't fit you didn't check off what i need to stay sober so yours isn't any good yeah i don't have any time for that i don't have any patience for that no it, it doesn't and, and you know. tiktok is feeding me this like like it must know that it, like at any moment i'm gonna be like you know what i'm gonna I, this is now my content i guess is talking out about this I don't want to do that. I don't want to do don't, that. Don't log on for 24 hours because all you're going to see go. is this type of shit. TikTok's I can clear like, my cash real quick. Yeah, TikTok's like, we just watched him on for, on Skype for an hour bitching yeah. about this. We know exactly what to send him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not to say that there's not good people in those clicks. I just steer clear from that shit because I know what it what it generates. Like, I know, I know it's going to come out of that. I've seen it fucking already, people you know fighting with each other and making videos about each other and like i is this keeping you sober what the fuck are you doing it for like why are people yeah like you said people talking about like suboxone like uh, or, or whatever other drug people are needing to stay sober like recovery is you not making any more wreckage in your life that's it I, what well, was i watching what was i just watching it? that really like oh i was watching dope sick uh i don't <laughs> know if you caught any of that yet on hulu no, oh, I haven't yet. No, um, the one girl on the show, she was, you know, having problems with, you know, heroin now, uh, but at the time it started with oxy, and then she got into doing dope, and she was thinking about doing suboxone, and she said it. She was talking to the pastor, like, "Hey, I might do this program that somebody told me about," and then he started bad mouth. Well, you don't know, and this was like takes place two thousand two. Yeah. Wait, you know, 20 fucking years ago. And yeah. even then, well, you don't know. That still doesn't mean you're clean just because you do that. You know, you're still not doing what God wants you to do. And it's still yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. your Lord will only take. It's like, fuck off with all of that. Yeah. If it is taking her off of shooting heroin. Yeah. Because you don't like that. She's putting a small tab under her tongue once or twice a day. Then, you know, you got a whole other set of problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the whole judging other people's recovery thing is a fucking problem, man. It's a huge problem. It's still a big problem. 
it's going to continue to be a problem. It's because everyone's always going to have different kind of recovery. And it's always in 10 years, recovery is going to look different than what it looks like today. That's that's the point of this. It's supposed yeah. to change. It's supposed to evolve. It's supposed to get better. It's not supposed to stay the same. Yeah, everybody's super concerned, like with with what everybody else is doing, uh, except for the fucking I have a program you can buy gurus that are that are sprouting up. If anybody should start having problems with people, it's the ones that have like the you could get this whole program for seven thousand dollars, but today only you I'm gonna sell it to you for sixty five because blah blah blah. And I, I I there's a there's one on TikTok that's like the more I look into the program, it's like, dude, seven months ago, you stopped drinking and then you now drink once in a while or something. I don't know. He's like telling people this, you know, if you teach yourself how to drink water, you could teach yourself how to drink out. Like, fuck off, dude. Like, what are you even talking about? People are eating it up and I, I'm I'm and he's and he's doing it for money. And that's what if anybody needs to start having problems with shit, like don't have problems because. You fucking Lisa over there stopped shooting heroin is is on some suboxone and she's she's now fucking got her kids back and she's working a career job but she's still on the shit. Who gives a fuck? Like I don't care if that's what it took for her to get there. This guy over here, literally making a fucking mansion style income from feeding people bullshit because he's convinced that he can sell people that dopamine hit. Uh, that's the people we should be fucking targeting. That's the people we should be concerned about. Because when it collapses, it's going to take people's lives. Like it's going to kill people. When, there was when it somebody. Work. There was somebody in that you know the all the Facebook groups. There was a, like, and it was called Mental Health Awareness was the name of the group, right? Yeah. And somebody posted something like really like ominous, like I don't know if I'm going to make it through today. I just need some help, someone to reach out, blah blah blah. And I went to comment something supportive, like, oh, I'm not doing blah, blah, blah. I can talk. And my comment was hidden by the admin and not approved. And I went to the page and I looked at the header of the page. And the admin was at the header because they're a mental health advisor and they can Ugh. sell you on fucking helping. I'm like, Ugh. you started this group to attract fucking people and then you won't let anybody help anybody unless it's you and they're buying your product. Ugh, dude. I have and I'm not, you know, I don't even think the person in the picture was the person that was selling the product either, to be honest with you. You know, because the way that yeah. they were typing in the message, I was arguing with a fucking dude. You know, like, there is no... I have gotten to a lot of arguments you know, in comment sections and shit like that yeah. in my day. And I don't feel like I was arguing with the Pacific Asian woman that was in the picture from the way that they, I, the way that they were talking, they were, I forget what they said. Cause this was like six, seven months ago, but they said something where I'm like, the fucking guy write that. You know what I mean? Like where it yeah. really threw me off. And I'm like, that woman didn't say that. You know, it was like, just like really like, like, so you're catfishing people on top of taking advantage of people with mental health problems. Like your karma is. I, <laughs> I tell people regularly not to try to find their, their mental, like don't find your mental health or, or sobriety uh, cures online. Like social media, it should at the very best be a supplement to have you looking further into things. But, and that's why, 
I mean, there's that. There's people that, you know, like the guy I was talking about who, who's like, I can fucking make a living off this. I can make a shit ton of money right now off of this. There's people that, you know, are bots. That was probably just like, oh, that was probably an organization that, that, and I've, I've seen this sprout, sprouting up too. Like, it's just, they just will churn that out. That won't even be, there'll be 20 groups they probably have that are going to, under different names that are leading people to the same group of people, you know, just because it makes money and, and using this stuff to make money. Um, so yeah, I, I regularly tell people to just, honestly, if you're like in your, if you're in your first year of sobriety, fuck it, stay the hell off Facebook, stay the hell off. Like, yeah, cause it's going to suck you in. Yeah, you'll, you'll, start, you'll start feeling yeah. like, well, I'm, you know, I'm getting sobriety right now because I'm talking to four people on Facebook, you know, this group, that I posted this I'm struggling thing and, and I got those likes and those, those uh, responses and none of that's connection. None of that's I, human. Connection. I think, I think I did four months with no social media. Like it, I would hop on, post a 30 day chip and then hop off kind of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I wasn't on social media whatsoever. My first, I was living in LA. I was new sober and I was living in LA and, meeting people and going walking around LA and going to comedy shows. I want, I don't want to fucking look on social media. I don't like looking on social media now, you know, I have to do it for this. Like I deleted my Facebook before the elections last year. I had to start a brand new Facebook because I, I deleted my old one from 2007. So hard. It was like a 13 year old, a fucking account, 12 year old account. Cause it was, yeah, it it was August of 2020, and I was like, "Fuck this!" and I deleted it. Or September, and I was like, "I can't do this before the election with everything, everyone writing my mental health. I can't look at this shit." I deleted that, I deleted Instagram, just took it all down, you know. And I had, I had like, mine. Mine was from 2008, and I deactivated it to take a break, and then somehow because the email I used was equally as old. Yeah, and I and I. Fucking managed to lock myself out of that email when somehow locked myself out of Facebook. So when I did try to restart my account because I was going to start posting stuff on my, I was like, I'm going to start a Facebook group for my podcast. I had to make a whole new account because yeah, I, I did the same thing. I, I completely exactly. locked myself out. <laughs> and a part of me is fine with that because now Facebook's got to relearn what I like. But um, yeah, like yeah, I take breaks. I need to take breaks. You know, I think everybody should do the same because it's exactly what we're talking about. The whole thing, especially with the holidays coming up, man, you know, they're going to be feeding us all kinds of like ads that are probably family oriented. They're probably going to start triggering stuff that will help make us to feel a little bit more depressed. And then they'll hit us with like the fucking wellness ads that are for, you know, better health and all this other. You know what I mean? It's just going to be a big. Fucking let's cycle. not for let's not forget when your memories all of a sudden pop up from five years ago and six yeah. years ago, you know, you and I have that luxury. We're not going to have memories <laughs> for a little yeah. bit on our Facebooks. Our accounts are newer. We both just restarted a brand new accounts only because of our podcast, basically. Yeah. Um, but before the, you know, I had, I didn't but it even still have a... remembers people. I know like, it's still like it, it, it is pulling, like, even though they're not connected, my Facebook is pulling people that I only talk to on Instagram. And I'm not logged into the two together. I have not co-posted, but they still are talking. And that's fucking creeping me out. Like there's there's uh, people that are like, oh, people you may know. And it's like, why would I know this person? Oh, this was from Facebook dating. Why would it know my previous Facebook's yeah. information? If I deleted the apps, I deleted all because 
I mean, it's it's stored, man. It's stored somewhere, and they will fucking connect those dots. So so weird, yeah. It, and it, uh, maybe it, maybe it's time for another break. <laughs> what's funny is it wasn't even the election that took me off. It, I mean, it was because I I knew it was coming. Um, but my final straw was um the it was during the hockey playoffs and the uh the NHL was doing the hockey playoffs in a bubble that year because COVID. So they played all in a bubble. No one traveled and the team lost. So when you lost, you went back home and you were out of the bubble. And yeah. so a guy saw his like five and two year old daughters for the first time in like two or three months. And it was a, you know, a sweet, you know, video because the girls hadn't seen their dad in a couple months. First yeah. comment, Jesus Christ, try going to war and, and then not coming back for yeah, a while. Yeah. Some this sort is, of negative shit. This yeah, is yeah. fucking pathetic. These kids are pathetic. It's like, these kids don't know where the fuck he went. They don't care if yeah. he went to war or went and played hockey. Yeah. All they knew was daddy wasn't home and now he is again. And they were happy. And I was like, fuck this. And I immediately deleted everything. Yeah. Like in a fit of rage and not even think twice. It's like 2 a.m. deleted, deleted. My wife woke up. She was like, um, you're facebook's gone i'm like yep and instagram too and yeah. all we have left are the fake twitter accounts like that i can like just like peruse on but because yeah, it's not good it had mental health and social media does not mix now they don't play well i can't all. imagine being a teenager with i'm so glad like myspace you know popped up teenage years but myspace wasn't as bad as facebook and instagram and all the other ones yeah, it wasn't a physical. It wasn't an actual part of our life. It was just this weird thing that people were messing around with. Yeah, it was a part of your day when you went home on your computer, but you weren't looking at MySpace all day long on your phone in front of you, no matter yeah. where you were at. Planning things about your day that you're going to record, like that's the thing I think is really affecting people. Is how how much of any of our days now are for content? Like, what aspect of our life are we? pre-planning so that we can get more contact like I, I look at people that are out and about and like they're they're hiking and they're doing all this outdoor shit and i'm and they're constantly posting about it and like why are you doing it for the content and the attention or are you doing it because that's shit you want to do yeah and you know i do the same thing so i i remember being younger and just doing things because i wanted to with no one ever knowing anything about it because i didn't have any way of telling them without yeah. verbally telling them you know it wasn't like i was taking pictures or posting it i just was like i'm gonna ride my bike to the fucking park because i want to um not i'm gonna ride my bike to the park and do this cool ass trick that i'm gonna hopefully get you know a thousand likes on on instagram hopefully yeah <laughs> but i appreciate your time man it's always nice sitting down and catching up with you yeah we kind of went a little all over the place but that's all right that's that's what we yeah. usually do it's kind of the point right. That's kind of where I liked it. You know, I like going all over the place and no format. Yeah, me too. So, but I appreciate it as always, buddy. Have a great day. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for having no, me. No problem. I'll talk to you. Bye. All right, see you.